0: Hey everybody, this is Scott, and before we dive right into the Scott Seven podcast, I want to go ahead and make a quick announcement for you. Um, since 2008, when I started doing podcasts with my friend Ryan, and we went from theology and backgammon to actually turning it into the Scott Seven podcast, I have been fully funding this podcast from the website to all the equipment, the software, everything, I have been doing this to kind of help run the podcast. However, with me not working and me going through a lot of different transitions, uh, this is an opportunity for you guys, the listeners, to help support the Scott Summit podcast. So what I did is I set up a coffee account and you could go on there, you can check it out, you can uh, sponsor me, whether it's a one-time donation or if you want to do a monthly donation and basically any funds that come through the coffee account are solely going to go to the betterment of the podcast so that means uh, being able to have bigger interviews being able to have more than one guest and kind of do more of a roundtable discussion on the different topics that i discuss on my podcast uh, this allows me to maybe update some of my streaming software and be able to do kind of a live feed of doing these podcasts. So there's a lot of different things um, that are coming up in the future. So if you would like to help support the podcast, uh, just go ahead and go to coffee.com. That is K is dot com slash the Scott Stebbin podcast. Again, that is coffee k o dash dot com slash the Scott Seven Podcast. Thank you guys so much for your love and support for all these years, and now let's get to the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Uh, Today, um, I want to talk about uh, the movie Encanto. And if you haven't seen the movie Encanto, check it out. I know it's been a while since I last did a uh, film for thought. So I want to talk about this movie Encanto because there's a lot of great stuff in this movie. Now, according to... um, uh, Walt Disney press release, uh, this detailing what this movie is about. It says, Encanto tells the tale of an extraordinary family, the Madrigals, who live hidden in the mountains of Colombia in a magical house in a vibrant town in a wondrous, charmed place called an Encanto. The magic of the Encanto has blessed every child in the family with a unique gift from super strength to the power to heal every child except one, Mirabelle. But when she discovers that the magic surrounding the Encanto is in danger, Maribel decides that she, the only ordinary Madrigal, might just be her exceptional family's last hope. So that's a pretty good description, but I also feel like it doesn't give uh, the story of Encanto justice, as it speaks volumes to... Uh, bridging the gap in relationships, uh, especially between different generations that we see with inside family units. But I also see this as a way of bridging the gap uh, for church leaders to kind of build that generational gap within their churches. So if you haven't seen Encanto already, um, you might want to pause, maybe bookmark this, uh, watch the movie, and then listen because I'm going to reveal a bunch of spoilers, so uh, make sure uh, make sure you're uh, you know I don't want to spoil anything for you, so you have been warned. <laughs> so uh, when we look at Mirabelle, Mirabel is the only one who does not have a gift that was bestowed on her by uh, the miracle candle, and because of this fact, her family treats her differently, especially her abuela. Um, however she begins to have these visions of the family falling apart by seeing cracks within the Encanto. Uh, later out, later on in the movie, you start to learn about Bruno, who is a kind of an outcast of the family. And Mirabelle's kind of the outcast, as we're seeing in there. So she ends up seeking out uh, Bruno to investigate uh, this vision, because one of the things we see in this vision is we see... Kind of the house cracking. Um, and even within this mirror pieces, what you're seeing is you're kind of seeing Maribel at the center of not only the house being in ruins, but also the house being at whole. whole. And it's one of those things where you can look at that and you can easily interpret Maribel as either the savior or she is the destruction of the encanto. So as she finds Bruno, she ends up going to help her find a deeper meaning to this vision. Um, so as she investigates and it is it, in, investigate this deeper, you find that the interpretation is that Maribel is supposed to bring healing uh, to her family, not destruction. Uh, so this is very great. However, Bruno even says, well, you know, even though you're supposed to bring healing, the family's not going to see it that way. And as Mira goes and starts beginning the healing process for her family, she comes to a head with her abuela, which ends up causing a catastrophe within the family, thus causing ruin in the Encanto. And then later on, Abuela ends up finding Mirabelle and begins to tell her how ever since she lost her husband, uh, she has been desperately trying to keep her family together. And as Mirabelle is listening to Abuela's story, she begins to understand Abuela's hopes and fears and why she held on to this miracle for so long. And then Mirabelle begins to not only acknowledge Abella's hard work and the sacrifice that she had for her family, but then she begins to reassure her that, hey, there's this new foundation that could bring a lot of healing for the family that can help preserve the family and also grow it, grow their legacy. And eventually, towards the end of the movie, we begin to see reconciliation, and then the family is restored. Now, when I... Look at this story. It's It really speaks to me when it comes to the church. Because one of the biggest conflicts in the church today is this concept of change. And especially trying to change the culture within your individual churches. Whether it is your local church, whether it is within your denomination or the higher echelons of your church structure but change is always something that happens that ends up bringing a lot of resistance and we see leaders go to these conferences and they read these articles on the next wave of church leadership and discipleship and worship and church growth and as these changes begin to take place One of the things we see is we begin to see that there's opposition within the church when these leaders bring this information back, especially with your more older, established church uh, goers or your generations. And eventually the cracks begin to show and either we begin to see church members leave or we see church leaders resign due to burnout, spiritual woundedness or even there's a falling out or even like a moral failing takes place and this begins to create a cycle of churches and their leaders continuing to do a tug of war match that eventually leads to death and destruction i was talking to a buddy of mine and we were talking about certain things with churches and um, kind of understanding some of the dynamics of certain churches and it's very interesting because this one church came up that we were talking about, and it was a church that I've applied to um, and didn't get, which is fine. Um, it's a church that one of my friends, um, her father was the pastor there for a couple times, and then he ended up leaving to go somewhere else, and then the guy I was talking to led worship there. And As we were talking about things, I kind of told the story, um, kind of a funny story on you know why kind of not only me not getting this position, but then also kind of the aftermath from it, which was quite comical. Uh, He made this comment, he goes, you know, there's nobody who's ever going to be good enough to lead that church. It's like they're waiting for the perfect individual, the perfect person to step inside that pulpit to help lead change in the church, and yet they're never going to be satisfied with whoever steps behind that pulpit. And I find that very fascinating because on one side, you do see that culture with a congregation where, and even with some of the leaders within the congregation, where there is kind of that mentality, like this is our church, we know the culture, this person that's coming in doesn't know the church like we know the church, so we're going to educate this person who's coming in who we're hiring to help lead us. To the next chapter in this church's history. But yet we're going to tell them what to do. I was listening to the podcast series. The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And if you haven't checked it out. uh, You should go and check it out. It's a really great um, listen to. But as we were listening to it. uh, They had some footage of Mark Driscoll. And talking to a bunch of church leaders. And basically he made the comment. Says the Mars Hill bus has a pile of bodies behind it. And by the grace of God, there will be a couple more added to it. So you're either on the bus or you're off the bus. And if you're off the bus, you're probably going to get hit by the bus. And the shocking thing that I heard from that is that as he said that there was no one who said anything. Not a rebuke, not even a laugh, not even anything, but it was just like he says this. And like everyone just kind of went along with what he was saying, like it was a normal part of church leadership. And sometimes we see that it's more about progress at the expense of human connection. The issue that I think, and this is what I think is that church leaders do a horrible job in listening to the voices of the older generation as they have a lot of fear and hopes for the church that seem to go unheard. And I'm sure, I mean, I can even think about all the times and all the statements I have made when I was an intern, whether I was a church leader, even if I was just a casual churchgoer that would hang out with the pastor or do something, there would always be these things where when someone from the older generation would have a complaint. It was almost like, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And they, and they just kind of brushed them off. It was just like, you would say something that kind of appeased them in that moment, and then you just completely would just forget everything that they said. And I think the problem is with that, kind of that culture, kind of that approach to church leadership is that when a pastor or an elder or somebody does that what happens is is that person starts to hold on tightly to those traditions of the church and they begin to fight against any change because they are afraid that bad that whatever bad things could happen to the church especially since they have invested so much of their lives in that they don't want to let that stuff go because it's like you know, I've been a member of this church for 50, 60 years. I've invested into this church. And the fact that this new person or this next leader is coming in and wants to change everything, and even though I have some concerns or some questions, and they're just like, eh, 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 and they just kind of brush me off, that kind of works against everything. And I think when we look back at to the story of Encanto and looking at that interaction between Abuela and Mirabel, one of the things I see is Maribel is kind of that wise leader. Uh, she not only listened to the voice of the past and acknowledges and understands their traditions and kind of the things that they hold so dear But at the same time, they're also able to reassure him that the changes that are taking place are not some part of a church fad, but it's a way to set the church in motion for fruitful discipleship and community impact to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to the next generation. So the wise leader reassures that the older generation will not be an afterthought in the life of the church, but they are a vital part. And as the tools are given to the next generation to continue to build up the church, um, and as the younger generation is able to build up the church and the older generation is able to feel heard, able to feel like their concerns or fears are acknowledged and are reassured and they're able to see the work. Then I think, when they're able to see everything work out and they're able to see the picture and they're able to get behind the vision, then that is really the catalyst for fruitful ministry and a fruitful catalyst to bridging that generational gap between younger and older, um, generations within the church. Um, So again, I think it's about effective listening. It's about empathy and it's about reassurance that the past work is valuable. And yet something new can be built upon that foundation that is already there. So for the church leader, here is kind of my plea to you. Here's kind of my begging you, uh, I guess, in so way, uh, my advice, my wisdom to you as you're trying to lead a church. Don't get too far ahead on the mission of the vision that you have before you. Don't get so far ahead that you have forgot the value of your older generation and the contributions that they have made to the church. Do not forget that. Acknowledge it and acknowledge it to them, because that is going to be important. Now, for the congregation, for those of you who are not in leadership, who are kind of, sorry, my hair is just getting wild today. I'm too busy touching my hair. Um, But for those of you who are in the congregation, remember that there is a time to build, and there is a time to pass down the tools to the next generation for them to build up the church in a way to witness and impact their generation and future generations for the kingdom of god i mean that's that's kind of the big thing cuz what i hear and i mean i can this is a whole other podcast episode and i may i may do this with um some of my friends who to kind of bounce back and forth with but i always hear from older generation People don't come to church, younger people don't go to church anymore, they just don't come to church. And yet, I think one of the biggest issues and one of the biggest problems is the reason why the younger generation doesn't come to church is because they are not valued Because they come to church and you want young people to come to church. You want their kids to be a part of the church life. You want everything about them to be integral to the church life. But when it comes to the movement forward, when it comes to trying to build something. Because again, I think the young generation that are attending church, they want to build something so that they can go to their generation, their friends, the people they ran with in high school and in college And even just other young families they meet during playdates or at the park or wherever. They want to say, hey, we have a place for you and we want to minister to you. But when they bring people in and it's just always the older generation doing their thing, doing their ministry and not allowing that younger generation to rise up or rise up to an extent but still kind of know your place then that's why younger generations are not attending church because they don't feel like that they are a part. They feel like that they're just kind of there to kind of help, but they have no controlling interest in the future of the church and how it's going to impact their generation and eventually impact the kingdom of God. So we have to change that mindset. We have to change that culture. And I think the key is, is that as leaders, we have to kind of be the maribel we have to be able to listen to the abuelas in our congregations listen to them empathize with them reassure them and then move them forward in the vision and the ministry that god has set before you to do the kingdom work within your church so guys thank you so much i appreciate each and every one of you uh if you have not already heard um whether through social media postings or anything I have set up a Kofi account uh, This is a way for you guys to help me fund this podcast uh, Since 2008, I have fund the podcast completely However, a lot of my equipment's getting older um, And again, this is just a way for me to kind of do upkeep and maintenance on the podcast None of the fun- funds that are being donated um, If you sign up for a Kofi account Rest assured that this money's not going to me to for me to go and buy food, for me to go and have a lavish lifestyle. Every dollar that is donated through the Kofi account or the coffee account, however you say it, uh that goes directly to the maintenance and the upkeep of the Scott Stemon podcast. This enables allow me to do bigger interviews, maybe do more group roundtable interviews, uh upgrade some of my equipment. Um, maybe update some of my, um, streaming stuff so that I could probably do more of a live stream with my podcast instead of just pre-recording and then editing a video and even a, um, an audio for the podcast. So guys, uh, this is very helpful. And if you've listened to this podcast, if you've appreciated, uh, everything I've been doing, just feel free to give, I mean, as low as you can give is a dollar. Um, so that would be f- helpful. So guys, again, thank you guys so much for listening to me. I'm truly blessed by each and every one of you that listened to this podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll have a next podcast for you on Friday. Take care and God bless.